0: Welcome back
1: to a solstice troubleshooting agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And uh, you have a story for us, and I'm really excited about it because we we haven't discussed it yet. But you just gave me a, a little taste of it, and I'm I'm really excited about us talking about it. Can you can you tell us your little story?
0: I can. You're you're raring to go. I suspect. We, I am. We'll have a lot to say about this one. So I had a client who was describing their development process to me, as many clients do, because they want me to help with that and give them advice and understand it. And the the client uh, described it in this way. So of course, and I'm underlining those words, we load, and I thought load was an interesting word too, we load our sprints to 110% of what we think we can do in the sprint. And uh, well, you do that because we uh, And it's just between you and me. Just between you and me is the other interesting phrase. So just between you and me, one of the reasons we do that is we want the team to stretch. And sometimes we do find that they get more done than they otherwise would have or that, that they did in the previous sprint. And also, we don't want them to run out of work. Those are our reasons for uh, loading the sprint to 110%. And I just carefully wrote that down. And I said, "Gee, I think I'm going to talk to Jeffrey about that." So, <laughs> what do you think?
1: Wow. <laughs> the, the the I, I I'm I'm going to be inarticulate here. I'm I worry because there's so many thoughts that come to mind. Uh, well, give us a few. But, well, the of course I got to say this. The of course, it's so sad for for two reasons at least. One is, oh, I I find the theory here to be wrong, to be flawed, and and like well-documented, flawed in in ways that are known for a long period of time. And yet, what is being said here is, I think, so, so common. And and it could be that some of our listeners, I, I expect some of our listeners will hear that and say, well, yeah, of course you do that. Of course, that's the normal thing to do. Of course, you don't want to run out of work. Of course, you want people to stretch. Yeah, stretch goals. Those are good, right? And so, there's a an element to which was the of course is so dead on in that it captures a common point of view, um, and yet there's uh, the very different point of view um, which uh, is which is if we're open to questioning it. And this is the thing: is the of course make it makes it not open to question. There's another view that says that that this is not an obvious thing, and in fact that we might rethink it. That we might get some better results uh if we had a different theory and uh, and so that's why I'm I'm so excited to talk about this because to me that that of course is is so rich and of course you and I we we do conversation analysis with people and what that's really about is learning people learn about themselves from the words they use and I think that's why this uh is, is striking me so heavily because I've been doing some conversation analysis with people this week and had these moments of it where they could get moments of insight about themselves because of their choice of words. And, and sometimes when we point at the meetings, I find people want to pull back from them and they'll say, oh, no, no, I think I chose the wrong parts of words. I'll say, I think you chose a very <laughs> accurate word that accurately portrayed how you really feel. Let's, let's explore that. And I, that's always been a very uh, fruitful a line for us to go down. And I think, of course, (laughs) is one of those things. I think that's what has me so excited. How how about you, Scroll? What what, what comes to mind for you?
0: Well, I I chose not to raise it in the moment. There, The the situation I was in was one where it was more natural to feedback later than this person was in, in flow and telling me about a lot of different things. And I was going to provide feedback in a structured way at a later time. So I did just write it down carefully. And note, uh, this is one for the podcast, and I'm glad that I picked a a good one out of the the stream. Uh, So I I didn't have a comment at the time, but my comment later uh, will be that this is certainly something that one should not assume is the uh, obvious way to approach a sprint. If you intentionally overload the team, and don't tell them about it. So they're not part of the discussion. You create a number of different difficulties and I'll I'll just name one, but Jeffrey, I think you'll you'll probably want to comment on several more. One of the difficulties you create is that the team may stretch. You might achieve your goal. And the problem is they might achieve the goal by taking shortcuts, not building tests or uh, skipping some important feature or something like that or that they might do it by burning themselves out, by working late, by uh, getting tired, by getting annoyed and quitting. There's, uh, if you continue to run the team at more than their capacity uh, consistently, it's not uncommon for people to say that I don't have to do this. There are other opportunities for me that I could take up and I'll go do those with someplace where I won't have to run at that pace. So the, one of the problems, one of the several problems I can see with this is that you might get what you want
1: what else do you <laughs> see that might not work well, well actually yeah, can i argue that even for the, even that for a second you say get what you want and it's it's that the problem is we don't communicate what we want we we communicate indirectly what they want is all of it done to the full level of quality what they want is is it all is it all done you know, well and thoughtfully and considerately, and what you're describing with the cutting corners is actually them getting what they asked for, but yes. not what they want. That's a very good point. So you might get you might get what you ask for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You might get what you ask for. You want us, us to check all these boxes, and sure enough, we're going to check these boxes. And I think that is a a, a tremendous danger. Mm-hmm. Every line of this, every every word for me has potential things to explore. One is, if you say we load our sprints 110% and sometimes they do it. Isn't it, there's a possible what if you were a more reflective person, you might say, wow, that must mean we really don't understand what our capacity is. Like uh, because otherwise it would be impossible for us to get 100, percent 110% done. Yeah. And 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 what does that mean if we don't really know what our capacity what's the right way for us to approach the world if we don't know? But there's so there's an element of ignorance in here that I, I find, I I suspect that they're unaware of.
0: And and it could be that they are aware. So I, of course, I don't know, but I, I've encountered folks who have this philosophy many times, of course. And sometimes I have heard them say things like, well, look, it's impossible to really know what the capacity is. And, and people don't really know what their own capacity is. So uh, I even had one person, I, I was not a big fan of this particular approach, but he said, look, a, a common thing I'm not sure he's right that it's a common thing, but a common thing for uh, sports um, motivators for people who are coaches or uh, in some other way getting people in sport to do more is to um, push them beyond what you know they can do and to try to get them to, uh, to um, run faster or uh, jump higher or something like that, but more than they have um, shown that they can achieve. And that, that this was uh, a good sports psycholo- psychologist's approach. I'm not sure it is, but I think they might argue that it is, that if you don't really know and you're not really sure what your capacity is, try for more.
1: What do you think about that? Uh, You know, and I I actually really like that. Honestly, I I think that's very good, but I'm pretty sure when that happens in the sports analogy, they're not hiding it from the athlete. (laughs) Yes,
0: (laughs) the athlete knows I jumped only five feet yesterday, so now you're asking me to jump five and a quarter, and that's new. That's something I haven't done before.
1: That's right. and it, and it, and it, I think this is actually really important if because there is, and I'm a huge fan of a high performance culture. I'm a big fan of of people wanting to be better, and i I find that important, and I, and it, to me, it can be very motivating to be part of a group. I was talking about someone just earlier today about how much fun and how much excitement that is to be with a group of people who all are pushing ourselves and each other to be better. And part of that is, to, to To go beyond you know what we what our limits are. let's let's figure out what our limits really are. We don't really know until we push ourselves. So let's push ourselves and find out and 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 also even in my own personal life i'm a I'm a very you know poor runner, <laughs> but i but I do run regularly, and this year I've been running with my daughter. She's picked it up, and we will do some runs that are faster than what we could do over a sustained period of time. And that's part of our training. We know what we're doing, which is we're, we're trying to become uh, faster. And so we do deliberate sprints to, to find those edges and exceed what we could do sustainably. That I, I've done that in software development as well with teams to say, well, let's let's see what happens. Let's see what we can learn from this. And And I think there can be tremendous energy unleashed in the team when you know that's what you're doing. When people are bought in, so so what's wrong with this approach then? Because it doesn't sound like it's a, a, a choice that people have. It's not something that they're asked, being asked to take part in. It's something that's being imposed upon them. Just between you and me, one yeah. of the reasons <laughs> we want the team to stretch. So exactly. of course we don't
0: tell the team, another of course. That's right. And, and we, our view is that, uh, of course, you should tell the team. That should be part of your discussion.
1: Well, it just it's It makes me sad because you're losing such a potential source of energy and excitement for the team. You know, if you had people bought in with the idea of, you know, we we want to be better. And, and actually my experience is that most people, are, many, many people, I won't say most, but many people are very hungry for the idea of being better. They want to know what being better means, what being better is. And they like being involved in that. They like having the discussion of, you know, what kind of trade-offs are good trade-offs and what kind of trade-offs are bad trade-offs and being part of a learning, improving culture. But, but it, that's not what this is. This is this is this is a, in my view, an antiquated idea of what management is supposed to be, which is to say, we're going to you know load people down and be very demanding, and we'll see who you know who cracks and we'll see who doesn't. We want to just this is how we'll find out what people can do because we're going to load them up as much as possible, and I think what you what you engender in that is the traditional reaction where people uh, will will work uh, there's a phrase called undertime. time. It, uh, this is a common response to mandatory overtime. People put in undertime when they're at their desk doing things that look like work-like behavior, but they're not putting in their energy and it's not productive time. So it's a contrast
0: with overtime, overtime where you're working hard for longer than you should you, and undertime you're work working less hard for less than you should.
1: Well no actually usually it's longer. In my experience, people put in undertime. They're 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 there in quote-unquote work, uh, but, but, uh, but, but it's there's it's not productive. Yep. Um, you know, so they may be. You might be score very highly on the pizza bots metric. You know, many many people staying late, many pizzas ordered, but somehow productivity isn't what we would expect. <laughs> Even though we're we're working these long hours, we're we're not getting a, a linear increase in our in, in our output. Got it.
0: I imagine a number of our listeners are in in that kind of situation. Um, and I just want to make sure we cover all the, we get all the juice out of this grapefruit here. Um, so <laughs> there's, there's a final sentence, which is, uh, and, and we don't want them to run out of work. Uh, right. I think there's, there's, there's gold in there as well, to mix the metaphor. What, what do you think about that?
1: Oh, so so many things come to mind. Um, well, I think if I, if, well, one thing, if I nicely balance this last sentence with the first one, the, uh, about 110%, is it reminds me of the book Slack, uh, uh, which talks about, the importance of having slack in a system, and, and not the
0: slack the the program, which has its own <laughs> challenges and merits and so on. But this is slack in its original sense, like slack in a rope. That's you right. Want, you want it not to be pulled taut. You want to have some extra wiggle room.
1: Right. And so, Slack was a was a, a book talking about human performance and in human systems. And one of the things that that my major takeaway from reading that book, is just sort of sum it up, it might be, if you if you have no slack, you have no capacity to improve. You you have no capacity to learn. And so what you've what you've done uh, with this model is to say, you know, at best, we're gonna get no better. <laughs> you know, because you say I don't want them around of work means I don't want to have them ever have any time when they would stop and think about how they might improve. So you so you're kind of you're putting you're saying, yep, you're, whatever whatever our capacity is today, it's never gonna get better. And because I would go further, because we're at 110%, we'll never have time to recharge. So we're gonna, uh, what expectation would be, we're gonna gradually decay over time, <laughs> either because people are gonna be uh, tired or they'll be demoralized, uh, or the, the, all those corners that people have cut are gonna start piling up. Uh, but my expectation is this is a, this is a well-paved uh, path to, to failure uh, over time. And
0: and I had a client just earlier today who was telling me, uh, actually, he'd managed to improve his team's performance quite a lot. And his main problem he was bringing to me was uh, he wasn't sure what to do with the time he now had. And he (laughs) kept looking for things to be busy with. And I said, maybe what you need to do is pay off some of the debt of having been busy before and um, take take a walk or have a bath or something because you need to clear (laughs) out some of the cobwebs. And that was a thought he hadn't had because he was feeling guilty about not being engaged every moment, kind of fixing the problems in the team, suddenly the team's performing well, so he has less to do. And that, that I was pointing out to him was a good problem. That was something he could exploit and use because that would be a space for him to have Slack and
1: have better ideas. So yes, this team might do the same. Yes. And it's it's interesting to me because the, the idea of running out at work, when I come across that, my rate, my spidey senses go off. And I think this is a product organization that is not measuring how uh, wh- how good their product uh, decisions are. <laughs> they I, I my experience is that when you have a development team that's working well, that th- the challenge is 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 that very often there isn't work to do because you don't you haven't learned enough to know what to do. So with, by here I'll be, I need to be clear: work about um, creating end user uh, software that will. Uh, test some new hypothesis that we have but there's always lots of work to be done to improve the system to say you know can we uh, refactor our code can we can we improve our tests can we change our build system can we automate can we make things more resilient um, can we so we can make the system so that we'll be faster in the future there's always investments to be made that will make you fast when next you know what you want to do. And so for me, it's very common, this idea of we need to keep the developers busy, are people who think that development is their bottleneck, when in my experience in those cases, it's almost always their real bottleneck is knowing what their clients actually value.
0: There we go. Well, there's lots of juice we've got from that. And lots of ideas that have come up, uh, uh, links in the show notes as usual and so on. And we'd, we'd love to hear from you folks if you are encountering any of these problems. Do you have an, of course, attitude to overloading the team? Or do you underload the team? Is Are people doing undertime? All of those are interesting ideas. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at uh, our Twitter and email and so on, which are all linked at conversationaltransformation.com or agileconversations.com. They all get to the same place. And of course, we like it when you hit the subscribe button so that you can hear from us again next time. We're on episode, I think, 150 this time. So we've got a whole lot more to say, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks, Jeffrey.
1: Thanks, Kwan.